This is Framework Leadership. I'm Kent Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Wow, what a privilege today. I'm sitting down with Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. In 2011, Congresswoman Hartzler unseated a 17-term Democratic incumbent to become the first Republican to represent Missouri's 4th District since 1955. She's an outspoken supporter of the pro-life movement, a great supporter of Israel. She also serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Agricultural Committee. She's also an author of a book called Running God's Way, a book on how to integrate your faith with civic engagement, which we actually, uh, we use that book here at Southeastern University as a part of our curriculum for our political science majors. It's a pleasure to welcome you. Congresswoman Hartzler, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Engel. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, Before we talk about politics and and leadership, I'd like to talk about your beginnings. I'm always fascinated um, by the journey that people take uh, to, to, you know, their calling and success. Where'd you grow up? What what were your parents like? What, how, how did, what was that all about? Well, I I grew up on a farm just north of Archie, Missouri, and uh, worked alongside my mom and my dad and my sister on that farm. And it was a wonderful upbringing. My parents uh, were people of faith. We went to church every Sunday and Wednesday night. And uh, I I just appreciate that upbringing because I learned the value of hard work, Mm. um, but also that if you work hard, you know, you can, there are rewards. Uh, We also learned the importance of faith, not only you know, going to church and every morning my parents would read the Bible before breakfast and we would have a little devotional and we would pray together as a family. Um, But also depending on God, being farmers, um, you know, praying for that rain and and praying for the sunshine and just depending on him really for our livelihood and seeing him come through, even through hard times. Uh, Those are things that have stayed with me, you know, the rest of my life, faith, family, and, and hard work. Yeah. I read that that after college, you taught high school uh, home economics for about eleven years. Yeah. What uh, what drew you to teaching, and 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 how did that um, affect kind of what God placed on your life? Well, I love young people. I uh, was the average college student though, and changed my major four times while I was in college. <laughs> Couldn't really settle on what was it, God, you want me to do? And then I was a camp counselor one summer, and I just absolutely loved it. And I thought uh, if I majored in home economics. Because uh, I knew I wanted to be uh, a wife and mother someday, I thought, well, the subject matter itself would help me in my everyday life, uh, but it would also give me an opportunity when I taught the students to interact with them more, rather than being a math teacher. Everybody has to sit quietly in their desk because I wanted to form those relationships with them, to encourage them in their journey, and to hopefully, if there was an opportunity, point them to God. Yeah, uh, that's good. It, it, and then it was in 1994 you ran and won a seat in the Missouri House of Representatives, and. You know, part of the mission, you know, here with our brand new American Center on Political Leadership is to encourage people to get out and run and, and, and have an impact. I, and I believe probably one of the hardest things for someone to do is to take that first step and, and put yourself out there. How, how hard was that for you to make that decision? And what made you want to run for office? Oh, it, it was a hard decision, but it was something uh, that I think God had wired me to. I re- asked Jesus in my heart when I was nine years old. And I remember making mud pies on my front sidewalk <laughs> soon after that, talking to God, going, what do you want me to be when I grow up? Because I knew I want to be a wife and a mother, but 
was there something else I could do to make a difference for him and for others? And I thought of a couple of things. I'm like, nah, no. Nah. And then the thought came in my head, you could be a state representative. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, maybe that's something I could do. And and I kind of forgot about it. But as I look back on my life, ever since I was nine years old, I was always drawn to politics. If the TV was on and the news was on, I'd pay attention. Or in high school, if there was, a, I was in an organization and an elected official was the guest speaker, I would just be paying attention. And I dreamed of going to the state capitol and visiting. I could hardly wait. And honestly, I had the chance to go when I was in college. And it was a very disappointing day mm. uh, because I walked in the capitol and it was filled with smoke, and as which I hadn't really pictured it to be like that. And then as I was in the gallery looking down on the, the elected officials below, they were sitting at their desk all smoking and and the person I was with started pointing out different individuals and say, see that man over there? He's having an affair with his secretary. See that guy? He's having an affair with his intern. See that guy? He's not calling. And he, I was just devastated because I had put elected officials up on a pedestal. But it planted a seed in me and that it shouldn't be that way, that elected officials should be um, the same way away from home as they are at home. And they should try to live up to their title of the honorable and and uh, so when I got married and became a teacher, I, you know, shared with my husband the, the uh, making mud pies story and, you know, that maybe I thought God might want me to run for office, but I always assumed I'd be a senior citizen after I'd retired from teaching, <laughs> after we'd had all these kids and they're all grown. So I was surprised when I was grading papers one night, I was only 33, had taught 11 years, and an elderly man on the phone that I'd known since I was a little girl said, hey, our state representative is retiring. Uh, some of us were talking. What do you think about running for office? Uh, and my first reaction was that picture of the state capitol and stuff. And I just could picture all these people in uh, smoke-filled rooms trying to do my demise. And I said, thanks a lot. But no, I, you know, politics is dirty business. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I'm uh, you know, making a difference with teenagers. But then he said something I want to encourage everyone to consider asking people. He said, would you think about it? Would you pray about it? And when he said, would you pray about it? Then I had the image of me making mud pies. And I was like, whoa, maybe this is something serious I should pray about. And so my husband and I spent 30 days uh, and just a couple of days before filing deadline, you know, praying and talking to others, seeking counsel and, you know, just became convinced that that's what we were supposed to do. And it was a scary thing. But, you know, I thought if good people don't run, then that's all we're going to have is people representing us who don't share those values. And I think as Christians, too many times, we encourage people to register to vote and Christians to get out on election day and vote, but we go in and there's nobody on the ballot that shares right. our views and values. So we really need to encourage Christians to run from every level, the school board to county council to state rep to, you know, Congress and the White House. Um, that's the only way you're going to have representative government, people who represent those uh, values. Now, I do have to say when I did become a state rep, and my first day, I got there, and there was a sign in the hall that said, new policy, no smoking in the Capitol. <laughs> and then I got to know a lot of the reps, and there's so many Christians who are in office, so many good people. Uh, I look back on that day, and there was only four people the man had pointed out, and there was 163 state reps. So I did. I always want people to know there are a lot sure. of good people in office, but we do need good people to step Absolutely. up and to consider the ministry of public service. Yeah. That's good. Now, after serving in the Missouri House, you you didn't run for office again for about a decade, I understand. What what did you do during that time? Sure. Well, my husband and I were blessed with our daughter through adoption, and it was just a wonderful answer to prayer. And 
So I decided to not run for re-election and to stay home and be a full-time mom like I'd always wanted to do. It was a wonderful time, uh, but I stayed very involved, volunteering as well uh, for other candidates or causes. And uh, God gave me the idea of writing this book, uh, Running God's Way, Step-by-Step to Successful Political Campaign, to encourage and equip more people of faith and how to run successfully for office. So I did that and uh, was more involved in our farming operation and our business. And, you know, and then then I was uh, asked to run for Congress. And I had never thought about doing that, um, but I, I was concerned about what was going on in Washington. This was after the election of President Obama, when Nancy Pelosi was a speaker, and then we had Harry Reid in the Senate. And so quickly, it seemed to me that they just started dismantling through their policies and their actions, everything that had made this country great. Mm. And um, I was became very concerned because the representative of my uh, district in Congress was casting my vote with Nancy Pelosi and with these, these policies uh, that I did not support and many people in our area did not support. And I realized that we were part of the problem um, and uh, somebody needed to step up and run. And uh, so my husband and I started praying about it because my husband said, hey, maybe you should run. And I said, I can't run. We have a nine-year-old <laughs> little girl. What are you talking about? Um, but he said, well, let's, I don't know. Let's pray about it. And then people just started coming up and asking me out of the blue, hey, you ought to run. Anyway, we felt like this really was what God was yeah. calling us to do, even though, like you said, uh, was a 34-year incumbent and chairman of the Armed Services Committee, uh, had well over a million dollars in his campaign fund already and stuff. But um, we ran and, you know, God is faithful and and here I am. <laughs> so so let me ask you about that. I mean, you—, you you face stiff opposition. I mean, as you just you just said, running for this seat, your opponent was that 17-year uh, term incumbent, and and then a Republican hadn't won there in 55 years, um, and I guess the first woman to be elected when you yeah. received that uh, elect or you won that election. How how did you talk a little bit about that campaign? How did you connect so well that you did actually win mm-hmm. and uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, be able to to go to Washington to begin mm-hmm. to affect change? Well, you can't do it yourself. I mean, this is a team effort. I say I didn't win. This was a, we, we made a change as the people of the fourth district. And uh, we, we stood up together and said, this is not what we believe. What's going on in Washington is not sharing our values and, and it's time for a new direction. Uh, but I had uh, connections through Farm Bureau, uh, through some uh, church activities, through some other being a teacher uh, for several years. And so you you reach out to all these people. I had 24 counties in my district. And so I looked at the map. I thought, who do I know that lives in that district? And so started trying to meet with key people in those uh, district and those counties uh, to see if they would help me, if they would be a county coordinator, if they would be a part of the team to make this change. Uh, that we needed in our country. And we became, you know, as part of a mission to uh, to bring good government and to make some changes that needed, we believe, to, to happen. Um, but a lot of hard work, um, but having those connections, that track record, and God basically giving me favor and opening up doors um, it enabled it to, to happen. Right. So really an element of the divine. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 After you took office um, in in Washington, what was your biggest surprise on that job? Well, 
minor note, but it's really true, is that some people bring their dogs to work, (laughs) (laughs) which I was just shocked. I was walking to my office in the very regal uh, Longworth House office building, and here's this staffer with this cute, white, fluffy dog on a leash walking down the hall, and they just go into an office. And anyway, some people take their dogs to work. So uh, that was new, surprised me. Now, on the serious note, um, I don't know if it was a surprise or just a, a reality of how hard it is to get things done uh, quickly. Sure. And um, you campaign with passion and with conviction that you are going to balance the budget or you're going to get better health care or you're going to rebuild the military or whatever your platform is. And you make these promises, people, you like me, we're going to work on this. And then you get there and realize you're one of hundred or 435 members in the House and then, of course, so to get something through, you have to pass something in the House. Then it has to pass to the Senate. Right. Then you have to get the president. And so it's, it takes a long time. And um, to my predecessor's credit, um, he, Ike Skelton, he's a, a man of faith himself. And uh, he was a good man. He called me on election night. He wished me well, where a lot of people, incumbents who lost, did not. And we actually became friends after the oh. election. And I met with him for breakfast a couple of times. And I kind of picked his brain. What, you know, what are some lessons you've learned? What what can you share with me? And he he talked about that. Even though he'd been there 34 years, he was well known for passing many pieces of legislation. He said that it takes on the average seven years to pass a bill. And that was uh, kind of eye-opening to me. So um, you have to campaign with conviction, but realize it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I used to be a track coach and ran track myself. So I, I understand that. Uh, but you can't lose that fire, that dedication. Um, you got to keep your eye, as they say uh, in Hebrews, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our right. faith. Not get weary in good doing, because in, in, in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So there's perseverance. Uh, that's part of it. And uh, keeping your eye focused on what you need to do. Now, I, I, if I remember right, when you went into office in 2010, I think the House was in Republican control. We, we took control. Just took control of that uh, actual yeah, election. I was part of that class, as was our friend Dennis Ross right. here. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, just a few months ago, the House changed from Republican to Democratic control. How has that changed your role now? Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, it makes it harder to get things passed that you want to because your uh, party is not controlling the committees or the leadership, and they have different priorities of what they want. Um so it, but it gives you an opportunity to spend that time uh, researching maybe legislation that would be good if hopefully we take the majority in a couple of years that we can be ready to go uh, to address the solutions of the problems facing our country. Um, it in some ways takes the pressure off a little bit within our own caucus because we are not uh, in charge of, of passing things. Whereas when you're the majority. You know, you're you're in charge. People expect you to, to fix the, sure. whatever the problem is, and if you don't get it something fixed, then people are like, "How come you're not getting that done?" So, so there's some pluses and minuses, but yeah, it's it's a time to focus on your district as well, and to you know develop some bipartisan relationships and see what you can get done. And there are a lot of opportunities to get things done uh, with the other the other side, other party. Yeah. Now the last few years have been especially divisive in in politics, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's social media, cable news, we are, you know, bombarded with politicians and pundits really kind of attacking each other Mm -hmm. rather than attacking issues. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yet uh, we just, our, our American Center for Political Leadership ran a survey that found that 79% of voters believe that politicians must absolutely demonstrate civility, authenticity, and respect over aggression. What, what do you think politicians can do to bring civility back to politics? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it goes to focused on the issues. Make sure the main thing is the main thing, and that is uh, serving the people of this country and what are the problems we have. So say the issue is health care. Uh, that is still a huge issue. A lot of people cannot find affordable health care. So what are the solutions to addressing health care? What are the solutions to infrastructure in our country, crumbling roads and bridges? Uh, what we all want national security, what, you know, focusing on those things rather than going after personalities. Um, nothing really is gained by attacking someone or uh, acting in anger, uh, so if you show just the general respect and something that helps me, I may disagree vehemently uh, with somebody else's position in Congress, something I hear them say on TV, um, but re- realize most of the people in Congress are representing their district. Sure. You may not agree with those views, but in that part of the country or that person's district, the majority of people do believe in that area. And so you shouldn't go after the representative from that area. It draws the broader question and problem, especially as Christians, maybe uh, we need to be doing a better job in our churches and reaching out to people and explaining why, why life and supporting life is so important. And every child has a plan and a purpose. Right. And changing people's hearts that way rather than attacking their representative who happens to be pro-choice um, when they may just be reflecting their constituents. Yeah. You know, we've uh, we've seen some shocking and appalling landmark laws on abortion passed recently. Mm-hmm. New York and Virginia have made it easier to get an abortion, while I think in Missouri it made it a little bit more difficult. Um, many believe we're headed to a showdown in the Supreme Court. What do you think is going to happen? What And how are you leading the charge in, in the support of the pro-life movement? Sure. Well, you're right. This is a, this is a, a vital time seems to be coming to to a head in in our country. And I am encouraged that more and more Americans are becoming pro-life. We just had a recent movie that came out, Unplanned, that has really opened people's eyes to the reality of what abortion really is, that it is uh, stopping a beating heart, it is taking a life. Uh, But there are these different legislative uh, battles. I am a chairman of the Values Action Team in the House, which is Uh, a group of members who believe in faith, family, and freedom that coordinate with grassroots organizations that have similar goals to try to advance legislation and policies that uh, uh, support life and and marriage and and religious freedom. Um, I've co-sponsored or I've sponsored the bill to defund Planned Parenthood, as well as sponsored a bill to, a second bill to make sure no tax dollars go to any entity that provides abortions. Because even pro-choice people um, don't want their tax dollars going to pay for abortion. It's a policy that just makes sense as life-affirming. Um, so we are fighting and, and trying. we're having press conferences and trying to get the word out, social media and others, to make sure people know uh, what we're fighting for, why it's important. Right now in the House, there's a bill, the Born Alive Infant Protections Act, which we're trying to get a vote on, and, and Nancy Pelosi is refusing to allow us to have the vote. And so we're trying to do it, uh, bring it up for a vote through a, a petition process that is rarely used. But if uh, you get enough signatures, um, 
on this petition, you can bring a bill straight from committee to the House floor for a vote. Mm. So we have to get 218 members to sign our petition. And that would mean all of the Republicans who are there, as well as 30 Democrats. And so far, we've got every Republican to sign the petition. And we've had three Democrats sign. So we're we're short about 17 people, but there's many people who won the election last year as a Democrat and they beat the Republican and they said, well, you know, in their campaign, well, I'm pro-life. Um, so they're they're in an awkward place. Sure, and sure. we're hoping that they'll stand up and do the right thing and they'll go ahead and sign this petition because surely that's something we can all agree on. If a baby is born after an abortion attempt and for some reason that didn't work and the baby is alive, they deserve the same medical care as any other baby in another room that was born prematurely mm. and is entitled to the doctor and uh, caring for it and being taken to a hospital. That's all the bill says. And surely, even if you're pro-choice, you could should support that. Right, exactly. A couple more questions, and, and then we're going to close with that quick fire round that we always do with our guests. Um, if someone's listening um, who's considering taking that step and entering politics— of course, they need to get your book. I think that'll be, that'll be a significant help. But what's a piece of advice that you would give them? Mm. Um, I think it's the same advice that someone would gave me years ago, an uh, older lady who had helped all kinds of candidates as a volunteer through the years, a farm wife. But she said to become an expert in something and run on that as your strengths. Don't necessarily major in political science and whatever, but uh, major in a career that you would find fulfilling and you could do the rest of your life, but run on that as your strength. So if you're in, you have a business degree, then you're a businessman. You want to bring jobs. If you're like me, I was a teacher. I care about kids. I'm sure. running because I know education and I'm a farmer. Um, become good at that. And I would also add, get involved in your community, in leadership capacities and build that um that repertoire uh, of leadership and that experience, that track record of caring for people, working serve through a servant's heart and um, making a difference. And yeah. then it'll be a natural progression to take that into a, a campaign. Great advice. Last question here before we move the fire around. For the rest of us who may never run for office, what can we do to ensure our voice is heard? Well, Get involved in your local campaigns. Get to know, and I would say encourage somebody good to run. If you don't want to run yourself, take time like Bill Day did for me years ago to take five minutes, say, who would be good running for state? Who do I know? Who could I call and say, hey, have you thought about running? Uh, you know, I'll support you. I'll pray for you. That That means the world. So we need to ask good people to run and then get behind them, be willing to put up yard signs, be willing to make a contribution. Uh, and invest, because you're not investing in a person. You're not giving money to a person. You are investing in the cause, the um, whatever you're trying to accomplish. And and then, of course, get out and vote. Uh, but once they're in office, you can be heard through certainly writing letters, emails, phone calling them. Uh, they represent you. They work for you. And so make sure they know what your views are. And I think the most powerful thing is actually if you have a chance to make an appointment with them and meet them in person. Uh, so if they have a district office or if they're a state rep or a county council, they would say, hey, can I take you out for coffee and just sit down with them? And and because that's very powerful. Uh, look somebody in the eye and say, here's my concern. Here's my problem. Um, you know, would you help me in promoting this policy to address that problem? Great wisdom. 
All right, here's our quick fire round. Uh, All right. Here's the first question. You have a day when your calendar's cleared. You've been mandated to have a perfect day off. What does a perfect day off look like for you? Well, I I like that mandated because otherwise I wouldn't do it. I'd be doing something else. But I think I'd sleep in just a little bit, which isn't real long for me. I get real early. But um, And then, you know, get outside. Uh, I I love outdoors. We live on a farm. Uh, I go for a run and maybe walk among the trees and just be in God's beautiful world. Uh, But then later, I'd like to just curl up with a book and just sit outside and just read with maybe a glass of iced tea. I never have a chance to read all the books that I want to. So that would be awesome and finish off with a fixing dinner for my husband and family and watching a good movie together. Sounds like a great day. Mm -hmm. What what historical leader, living or uh, passed away, would you most love to have a cup of coffee with? Mm -hmm. Um, George Washington. Mm. I have so much admiration for him. Uh, to stand up like he did, to sacrifice like he did for years and years. He just wanted to farm, you know? He just wanted to stay at Mount Vernon. They just kept pulling him back. But then to have his faith sustain him like he did through some really rough times, and I can't imagine leading men in battle and then seeing him die and then keep going. He didn't know he was going to win the Revolutionary War, and there was, uh, but he kept going and held on to that vision. So I'd, I'd love to chat with him about what all he learned and how God helped sustain him. Yeah. Final question. What's your next big dream you want to accomplish? <laughs> uh, you know, just to keep doing what I feel like God wants me to do. I believe, you know, if you'd light yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. And so I don't, my desire right now is to serve the people in my district as best as possible and be the best wife and, and mom I can be. Um, I might, uh, it might, my territory at some point might get expanded. He might call me to run for Senate or something else, but I don't know yet at this point. So we're just going to keep going and uh, try to do every day what he wants me to do, and we'll end up in a good place. That's good. Well, Representative Hartzler, it's been my pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much. Yeah. For more on Congressman Vicki Hartzler, you can visit her website at vickihartzler.com. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.